Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I'm so excited because I don't know if we have we ever had everyone. I think it's mm. happened once. Nice. It's, like a, it's like a leap year. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Like so maybe at the start have. when I. Yeah, maybe at the start. Yeah, maybe at the start. Maybe at the start. Um, well, the start as in I mean when I joined. <laughs> so that's the start yeah. of everything. <laughs> Nothing else happened before then. Yeah. That's really started. Um, yeah, so it's very exciting to have everyone. Uh, we've got a lot of questions to get through. I'm just going to point out that I'm not going to talk about Commit 42, even though there are quite a few questions about it, because I will do a specific episode on this. If you're on Commit 6 or Committed, do not worry. You guys will get kind of like first dibs. Um, but I have all the information for that coming shortly, straight onto the group. So, yeah. That's it. Um, do I have anything else to say? Oh, do you know one thing I was thinking about recently? Has anyone ever had a financial advisor? Yeah. No. When we were getting a mortgage. That's a mortgage advisor, babe. Yeah, no, but he was a financial advisor because they don't just look at the mortgages, do they? They look at investments and things like that, but we did everything. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And you know, so did you go through the process of like, you know, you just... You, you kind of want to ask them like a basic question, like, is this a good investment? And they're like, tell me about your life goals and like your preferences. And if you have kids and if you plan to have kids and your other investments and how much income you have and blah, blah, blah. Did you ever go through all that? My and, husband did it. And like your risk, your risk aversion. and Yeah. One to 10. Where are you on the risk scale? 12. Yeah. <laughs> Do I yeah, not any of this? But it yeah that's the thing isn't it because when you're looking at risk it's like the risk you take pre-kids pre and mortgage and all of those things are so different like than than now for example when you're like oh, I probably don't want to risk everything when I've got my kids to also support and um, so yeah I sorry that- kids I put all yeah. my money into bitcoin <laughs> yeah and it looked like it was going to do well but yeah. sorry right. about that um anyway my point about this is I was thinking it's actually quite a good analogy for fat loss and I was thinking about this because I'm I'm that annoying person that's like I don't want to do a two-hour consultation for you to tell me what to do with my money like I just want you to tell me what to do and it, it's like when I get questions on Instagram that are like what what should my calories be and I'm like who are you what do you do what's your goal how much do you move what's your yeah. you, know, you you need to know like all of this information and then even still knowing what calories you like it's the wrong question right there's way more to it than that and it's a kind of similar with like financial advice I think you often go in just thinking well I just want this one answer and it can be quite frustrating that it's like well we need to consider all of these things. And there are some basics of like, okay, if you want to lose fat, you need to be in a calorie deficit and you probably should have like a diverse portfolio and not put all of your money into crypto, much like you should probably have a diverse diet and not just eat takeaways or whatever. But you still need to make it specific to that person, their goals, their priorities, their risk scores, their dependents, what their values are, what's important to them. And a good financial decision for one person might look completely different than another person, much like a good diet for one person 
will look completely different than a good diet for somebody else. So I thought that was an interesting thought. You're always good at linking things together <laughs> like that. Because I'm always thinking about coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit like coaching. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Like with risk aversion, if you're, you know, the, the risks I take now, the diet that you might follow might be very different if you've got all the time in the world or if you're a really busy person. But anyway. And I understand that right now more than ever, as in like, now it's like, oh crap, okay, I've got half an hour to quick, quickly because Tommy's asleep. <laughs> what should I grab? Still, you're still doing something, which is great, isn't it? Like oh, you're still yeah. training and still yeah. prioritizing these things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Do you want me- I have another, and has anyone ever heard of that? Um, I think James Clear talks about it, like the cooking hub, hob, hub, hob analogy. And it's no. like, oh, you've got, let's say it's like four aspects of your life. You've got like your social life, your work life, your family life, and your like health. And the whole thing is like, oh, you know, if, if one of them has to turn up, then the other one has to turn down. So like work life ramps up and that's okay to turn down like your own like personal health goals at that time or like something else happens in your family life so that ramps up so you have to turn down another area mm-hmm. and I used to kind of like that analogy I was like yeah do you know what it's like a dimmer switch like you know parts of your life become more important and you kind of switch them pubs don't really work like that though do they oh no they don't babe. <laughs> also everybody has a favorite hob so you'll burn the arse <laughs> off of one of them if you use a hob anyone many... actually use any of the other ones no i i do i used all four because i usually do stuff all at the same time but majority of people just use one so <laughs> that's true <laughs> i but use everything the reason that i don't like this analogy is because it kind of insinuates that like each part of your life is taking away from each other and i think this is something i want to get with like the new program that we're launching is that each part of your life should add to each other like if you're not looking after your health, you can't possibly show up at work and you possibly, you can't show up well at work if your family life is shit, you know, and you're not taking care of that side. Or if you don't have any time for yourself or social life or focusing on like things that make you feel good in your mental health, then you can't be as creative at work or as productive at work. And if you're not looking after your physical health, then realistically, like if that hob goes off, nothing else, nothing else matters, right? Anyone who's ever had any kind of like touch wood, but serious like health diagnosis or condition will know that literally nothing matters when that happens so like looking after that side matters but even if you're thinking about like your capacity it's cumulative like if you're I think so many people think about it the wrong way around of like well I don't have time to diet and exercise or look after myself in those areas and like that's what gives you capacity for other areas now yeah where people miss that and Claire you might be able to speak on this with like different life constraints now is you you used to do two hour gym sessions now that's obviously not going to happen right but it's in some ways even more important for you to get in 15 minutes because that's how you show up at your best you know as a mum at work you know coaching whatever but it doesn't mean that it has to be such a huge time commitment yeah like um I definitely did like two hours and then like my lunch break and maybe before or after work and like because obviously we stayed in a gym but like I now I'm going to the gym and I can get there and be there for about an hour 
which is obviously really good now and I've got we've got our week planned and I do that three or four times a week so I'm actually back into that rhythm of the gym but there's that in between phase where Tommy was more reliant on me um I just have a barbell out like in this car door in our house and I literally if he was asleep I'd get out and do like even just 10-15 minutes just to do something and like there were days where I didn't but the days I just noticed the difference in like my mental health and like even just getting that 20 minutes in even if it was like okay do a set run in check if he's okay like actually just doing that was so much better than the nothing that I did sometimes so yeah yeah it, your, your head around as well that actually just doing a little bit is, is still very useful yeah I've done more than like 30 minutes in the gym for months and months and months apart from one session I did with my flatmate my old flatmate um that was like a bit of fun but apart from that like Andy and I trained after the AFM meetup I think we, what would you do like 20 minutes yeah 20 25 minutes not just battered it blitzed mm. it yeah, it it's, doesn't it, need long. Yeah, and I think, like, you, for me, anyway, after those, like, few sessions, like, I think it was about a couple of months. I can't remember. I don't know if it was before it was getting really bad weather. And I was doing that really quite um, well. Like, I was doing at least three, sometimes four or five of those, those really short things. Like, and they would just be main lifts. I'd be like, right, just pump out some deadlifts, some overhead press, some bent over row like things that were really easy just to be like, boom, 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 boom. Um, but I managed to get my deadlift back up to like 70 really fast. Like that was like quite soon after having Tommy and I was back up to 70 deadlifts. And I was actually really happy. It's not like a, my best ever, obviously, but it was really good for me. Like at that point, I was like, Do you know, I've managed to get up to a decent number without even like really programming at all. And so yeah, definitely all adds up. It's all really good. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we get on with some questions then? Yeah. And this is one that you've already seen because it's one for Claire. Um, it says, apart from the position, is there any difference between front barbell squats versus back? I find back squats easier so it can lift heavier than when I do front squats. So there's... <laughs> debatable whether there's slight different muscle activation so like front squat um could potentially because of the loading of it because it's quite forward um generally you think of it more of it maybe like more quad activation actually potentially you have to like brace slightly harder because of that change in center of gravity it's easier for you to kind of fall forward and collapse so it's a bit more need of like you know your trunk strength to keep it up so I'd say that's the two main differences like in activation but then there's things like um the position of that bar also makes it easier for you to get lower in the squat and keep everything more upright so if you're really trying to work on like your depth and staying more upright for like a high bar back squat using a front squat is really good to help with that technique I quite use that a lot say if someone's really struggling mobility wise whether it's ankles hips whatever in that back squat and they're always kind of doing more of like a really bent over good morning type back squat um 
and they don't want to do a low bar back squat they want to do that high bar the front squat's really good to help with that as well um back squat's probably easier to like grind out of because it's you know like because it's on the weight you can just drive everything backwards so that's one reason you can load more but also the position of that bar is just easier for you to load a lot more yeah yeah I think like you say it's easier to get away with poorer form as well which is normally why I put front squats in is is to kind of get people in a better position and you can't really well no you can't really grind out you can't really do a good morning type back squat if yeah front squat so people quite often ask about how to hold it and then this comes up all the time like whether they can do like um the cross thing because they have problems with that I know and they have problems with their wrist wrist mobility um but the lifting straps is what I would probably do instead as yeah. well Lifting yeah. is like a sort of what it kind of comes across as being a bit more like a safety bar squat because you've got the lifting straps up in the front. The prob the yeah. biggest issue, the big probably is probably one of the worst injuries I've seen happen in the gym was somebody front squatting with a crossed arms. Because when you can't did, brace, you, can't, you can't brace, yeah, you can't brace your abs. And number two, if that bar goes anywhere, you're going with it because it'll hook your elbows. Because very few people can get their arms uncrossed very quickly. And the person got caught in the hook of their elbows dislocated both elbows and ah. broke their jaw because they obviously followed the bar down and smashed their jaw off the bar. Um, so and he didn't break the score. You can do it if you're working with light weight that you know you're not going to fail with, but heavier stuff, get into, it's uncomfortable as hell, but get used to getting the bar, the hands yeah. under the bar because you can get out of that much easier. Well, it's easier to fail almost, isn't it, on a front squat yeah. than on a, yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's bad. I quite like zombie squats. Mm, quite I bad. like zombie squats. Well, I like them for teaching um, how you, you know, because a lot of people, I find this when I teach Olympic lifts like cleans or front squats, they'll hold the bar rather than letting it rest. Yeah. The zombie squats really good, I think, for teaching that. Right. So yeah. that's just when you have your hands out and you're not yeah. touching the bar. Obviously, yeah, don't, don't do that. But like safety reasons with a with a high weight if you're not confident. Just the Just 200 kilos zombie squats today, you know. <laughs> You'll be a zombie after it. You're talking about zombies. Sorry, this is the second time I've talked about Tommy. It should be like a drinking game for talking about Tommy. Um, James listens to The Walking Dead. And, um, listens, watches. And obviously Tommy will be around that, but he started to make these noises. And I swear it... <laughs> zombie noises like he just sits there like (laughs) that's where it's gonna be like it's gonna be a weird zombie word isn't it halloween next year is gonna be great fun (laughs) point him at a door and let him go (laughs) (sighs) okay next it says do you think diet coke is okay to drink Yes. Yes, in moderation. Yes. Fine. Yeah, I was going to say it depends. Is that all you're drinking all day, like nothing else? Yeah. 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 If you drink, too much, yeah, if you drink too much of it, your dentist is not going to be too happy because your teeth are going to be fucked. But yeah. That next. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, why did the nature of our thoughts change when ravenously hungry? Or was it just me, lol? It doesn't happen often because this program has taught me great habits and being prepared and having a great mindset. But tonight my husband ordered us pizza and happened to be super hungry. And I caught in I, I got caught in an old thought pattern of straight up panic, totally irrational, and hasn't even happened in months. And I'm better now, but just wondered why the actual words playing out in my mind were so different. I hope that makes sense. So mm. I think that what she's saying is it's that kind of um the the probably the panic, the guilt, the fear of it maybe is what she's saying there. Oh, I I was reading that more as like if you're really hungry, then you kind of just forget your long term goals and you're like, I'll just eat whole pizza and I don't really care. And she said the voice the no the no old thought patterns. Yeah. So like yeah, oh, I'll just overeat because I don't really care. Oh and yeah, well that's because you're hungry. It becomes like harder to to have perspective because you're so in that moment of oh I'm just really hungry right now, and you want the immediate reward as opposed to the delayed reward. Yeah. And the more that you heighten that feeling, like it's quite easy if you're a little bit hungry to be like, well, you know, I've got this goal of fat loss, so actually I'll have an apple instead of that pizza or whatever make a choice that's more in line with your goal whereas if you're just really really hungry then it's much harder to make those choices so and this is why I'd kind of avoid getting to the point that you're really hungry and you're going to make poor choices or if you do get to that point it's good to kind of call yourself out on it before it happens so say you're driving home from work and you missed lunch and you're really hungry and you know that what's likely going to happen in that situation is you get in and you just eat you know whatever's there even if it's not particularly nice that I think there was someone who was talking about this with like getting home from work and just eating like half a loaf of bread even though she didn't really want it and and that's a good example of like can you create a pause there of not rushing in of like going in being like I'm gonna make a cup of tea sit down and decide what I'm gonna have for dinner and it does have to be quite forced I'm not saying it's gonna be easy but just knowing your own traits, so that's when I tend to overeat is when I'm like, I'm so hungry and I'm going to get home. And for some reason, like sometimes I get this quite irrational, but I'm like, oh, I really want to get to bed by 10 p.m. So then I eat my dinner like really fast because I don't know, I've got home late and it's like 8 p.m. and I don't want to eat too close to dinner. And then it's just like the whole thing's rushed and you don't enjoy it and you end up overeating. Normally it's literally just, slow down and make a choice instead of just reacting to things I have a condition that I just set with myself and I'm sure it's is that if I'm doing that say it's lunchtime and I'm like I haven't eaten lunch and I find myself just about to reach something my condition is like yeah snack will be there but I have to have my proper food first so it's not like you can't have it it's just like I'm if I still want it after I've eaten like the real meal that I had planned but that is because I know I've got I know what I'm going to be having if that makes sense so it is just a case of no don't be lazy and and eat now wait that moment and that's just the condition that I find easiest for me I do this thing I don't know if it's actually good or bad but if I am like in the kitchen I'm like I really want to eat that I'm like well no actually let's just eat a bit of fruit first because that's still hitting one of my goals. And then if after that fruit, I'm like, oh, I still want that, then maybe I'll like consider it more. But actually, usually once I've just had in a bit, like or even a yogurt, like something 
there just even if it's before dinner and like for dinner I'm like shall I order Domino's like no because that's not what I want to do right now I need to cook my fish or my chicken or something and I still do the same I just either have that bit of fruit or yogurt and usually after just having something I'm like oh actually I don't need to order that Domino's I'm gonna have my chicken like and I don't feel bad just having that bit of fruit because I'm still hitting a goal of my six you know like fruit a day or fruit and veg a day so that's kind of something I do yeah and you, you definitely make that. a better decision when you're then a little bit less hungry you've had time to think about it you're basically forcing in a pause and I think there is a lot to be said for making rules for situations like that like if you're like well my rule is if I still want to order a Domino's like you know if, or if I want to to make that choice then I need to have an apple before I do or a piece of fruit before I do yeah. okay, fine but that's the rule and it's much easier to stick to a rule in those situations than to make it up on the spot so that's where I think yeah. having these like conditions for yourself going forward that's why I have like the 8 p.m rule it's like don't make big decisions after 8 p.m cool it's just an easy non-negotiable rule of yeah you still want to do that but you can do it in the morning it's not a big deal do you know what else I found is like I don't know there's maybe people who like I love fruit like I love any type of fruit um but sometimes I'm like oh, apples are so boring but they're not I do really love them but you know like if I am in that mood where I'm like oh, I've got I want a cookie or something but I'm like oh an apple an apple that's kind of a bit <laughs> but if I have like like I really love other fruits like Sharon fruits or like um what you call it the Is little one where you craving the Sharon yeah, it was yeah I'm still eating them <laughs> oh, Aaron fruit persimmon um, yeah persimmon yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's so like a good it's like a crap orange yeah it's so yummy <laughs> but that like a passion fruit yeah passion and these fruits fruit. just are a little bit more exotic to me so like when I'm in that feeling <laughs> When, yeah when I'm in that feeling of like oh don't want an apple but I'll have my Sharon fruit <laughs> so that's just maybe something like oh, maybe that try- was a really long convoluted way of saying sometimes I don't have an apple I just have something else that's more tasty <laughs> no <laughs> I liked it <laughs> anyway it actually this time of year I'm finding apples pears because it's like that season they're what I want all the time yeah, yeah exactly I just need an experiment with your fruit <laughs> okay fine yeah good point you don't have to have an apple you could have something else yeah <laughs> and, and if you want a Sharon fruit but I think I've had one before and they just taste like nothing what no they're amazing especially if they're really squishy Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think the persimmons are the small one. The uh, sham fruits are slightly bigger, aren't they? The orange things are slightly bigger, aren't they? The same. I thought persimmons were the little ones that keep gooseberries, the little ones with the fluffy, you know, that you decorate things with. Are they not? I don't know. But Tommy likes a sham fruit. Oh, Oh, that's three. Well done. (laughs) That's because you're pregnancy cravings. Right. Shall I read the next question? Or yeah. do you want to carry on? Should we carry on? I know. Let's read the next question, please. <laughs> says, this feels like a really dumb question, but it's not, is it? Because there aren't any. But anyway, so I'm going to ask anyway. Since we're in the season of being safe indoors at night, is there any difference between walking or stepping in place? If I'm low on steps sometimes, I'll stand next to the couch and just march in the place and watch the TV. 
I was wondering if those steps will even count if I'm not traveling forwards. Oh, thanks. Yeah, they absolutely count. Like it's energy expenditure. Now, if you're being really picky, would you probably burn more calories walking outside? Like technically probably a little bit just for gradient and the fact that you're moving and maybe you're moving a bit faster and there's a little bit more like probably pushing against gravity. But I wouldn't like, it, it still counts. You're still moving. You're still getting some energy expenditure. You're still not sitting being sedentary. So I wouldn't like overthink these things too much. I saw this big convoluted reel that someone did recently about like how neat isn't the same as exercise. And like, if you go for a run, it doesn't count towards your steps and all this stuff. I'm like, the only reason that, that like people count steps or that you should be worried about your, or not worried, but like you should be concerned about your steps is because it's a crude measure of how much energy you're expending. Now, whether you count exercise in that or not, it does like it doesn't really matter in terms of step count like people, someone asked me yesterday can I count the steps I take in the gym even though it's technically exercise in my step count I'm like yeah of course you can like it doesn't it doesn't negate that in the slightest and actually we want you to include your runs within your steps so that we know roughly how much energy you're expending um yeah so yeah any any movement counts do you know on youtube you can get um videos that are like 10 minute steps <laughs> it's just i found one yeah, that's like yeah. this guy that's the cheesiest <laughs> yeah. he's so cheesy and he's like beating and like i don't know like doing high steps and then steps to the side and it's really fun yeah <laughs> although i got a message because i hadn't heard about it i missed this whole lockdown craze Why would but i got a lockdown come on steps with brick is like two years ago oh really I know what- yeah. yeah oh that's good it wasn't just me but somebody sent me a message and they're like savage I'm really annoyed I just did a a 3,000 steps of Rick and my watch only measured 1,500 <laughs> she's like I was going at the same time as him doing all the same moves and my watch measured less so I didn't was... know that he was like around forever yeah he's a big deal Claire oh big I don't know either a big deal <laughs> <laughs> I missed it so you're not alone, Claire. Not alone. Next. Next one. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on some processed protein products? I do realize, rely on these, particularly yogurt and bars, but the ingredients do worry me a little bit. I find it hard to hit targets without eating them as I don't eat meat. Again, fine in moderation. Um, I yeah. would generally try and limit like ultra processed foods but not to the point of being like over analytical about every single part of your diet and like bordering on orthorexic. If you're like, yeah, I get loads of fruit and veg in and I've got like a diverse variety of like legumes and whole grains. And I'm also getting in things like, even if you don't eat meat, like are you getting in eggs and dairy and stuff, but then also you're having a high protein yogurt. Fine. It's not, not a big deal in the slightest. If you like the only source of protein I'm getting is whey protein shakes or something I'd be like okay well let's look at your at your diet as a whole but having having these things like even once a day not a problem I think a lot of it as well as the the if you're focusing on shakes it's generally taking at the satiety levels of what you're eating so shake is not going to fill this is not going to sort of fill the hole as well as a pro an actual protein source that you're eat, actually eating so that's kind of what you would probably more be worried about 
Uh, okay, it says she's going to be a greedy piggy and ask two questions. <laughs> it says we'll go with one first. I'm starting to lift heavier for some exercises, Yamie, but it's got me pondering, do I buy heavier weights, dumbbells, for a home or go to a gym? My goal is to have, I think this time, so sorry, a toned look. Is this achievable with dumbbells at home or are machines better? Any pitfalls for training at home? I need to be mindful of if I stick to this route. Now, I know that she said, she asked me about dumbbells, that she wants to get like a good like set, a good range of weights. So it wouldn't just be some 2K dumbbells that she's talking about here. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can absolutely get amazing results at home with dumbbells. Mm. But I would still join a gym. Yeah. But again, that's kind of preference. It's like, why are you training at home? Why do you want to join a gym or why don't you want to join a gym? Is it is it that like realistically you could only go to the gym once a week or it's going to be really hard for you to get there or you might be less consistent with your exercise in which in which case train at home. But if you can get to a gym, I think you will a get better results and I just think you'll enjoy it. It's it's a better environment for exercise than home where it's so easy to get distracted by things. Yeah, I would totally agree with that one. Like during during lockdown, I I really struggled with home workouts just because I'm not motivated from training from home. I'm, oh, lucky that you own a gym then and just went to your gym. Well, we weren't we weren't in Edinburgh at the time though, so we we didn't have that. Um, so yeah, so no, I just find it very difficult. But the only sort of sticking point you'll have for um work home workouts is you will get to a point where you need to like if you are wanting to continuously progress, you need more weight. And that's going to be your sticking point is your budget on how much weight you can add or how many bits of kit you can buy. So that's probably where a gym sometimes comes in a bit handier. So 15 quid a month to join Pure or a couple of grand to get like a bunch of bits of kit for your stuff. If you're getting to that level, you might not be at that level, might only need a couple of sets of dumbbells. But that's another, that's a sticking point to think about further down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, number two, her second question. I have low iron levels and feel okay, and feel okay, so not taking the prescribed iron tablets. I wasn't okay previously, hence prescribed. I know they're still low. I didn't think I needed to take them as I feel okay now, but someone said low iron levels, regardless of how you feel, impact your central nervous system. Do you know if this is true or any other reason we should take it if low on it, apart from the obvious symptoms of tiredness? Oh, 100%. If you've got low iron levels, take iron. You won't just be able to feel your iron levels. And it's not just, oh, I feel quite fatigued. Like that's one element. But you certainly, you know, if we could all feel if we were deficient in something, you wouldn't need blood tests, right? Like, so just because you're feeling less tired, which is great, don't stop taking the iron supplements. And she's feeling less tired. But I find that with when you've got iron deficiency sometimes you feel fine but actually you go and try and run and you feel like you're hitting a brick wall so she, she wasn't pushing herself to go and do some other things she might notice it again and um, that's why I definitely you know it's you do tend to notice it doing different activities yeah plus even you, you might feel less tired but you might even be able to feel even more energized you know if you had even who's to say that actually if you had adequate iron levels that you wouldn't feel even better than you feel at the moment yeah 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 they are important for numerous things even just like hormonal function um your menstrual cycle I don't like you just yeah you want to not have low iron levels 
Agreed. Agreed. Okay, next question. Hello, hope you're well. I've been wondering about failure and where this is. For instance, if is failure where you feel too uncomfortable to carry on? Sometimes I'm very uncomfortable at a certain weight after 10 reps on the first set, but then I take a break and I can do another 10. Is failure where you physically cannot lift the weight any more? If so, I'm unsure I ever reach failure completely. I realise there's still benefit of training, not quite to failure, but I'd, I'd like the most bang for my buck. Thank you. Yeah, I would I say like, Go ahead, why a lot of people don't reach true failure you know like especially if you're a beginner intermediate I say you don't reach true failure whether that's like a maximal lift or completely annihilating yourself on a set I don't think a lot of people will really reach that unless they've been really training for a long time like that's my opinion on it is yeah yeah, yeah. I think you know failure to one person looks completely different than somebody else like some people yeah. will, will like go to failure. They will just go until they physically can't do anymore. And other people will go until they're mildly uncomfortable. And part of that is like learning how to push yourself a little bit more. But what it does become a little bit easier if you're using something like, I don't know, machine chest press, people can probably push themselves to failure quite easily as like a, a beginner. But if you're doing like, I don't know, squats to failure or something, which you know you might not do as a beginner um that that is a bit harder and and probably less safe if you were doing like a barbell back squat or something but yeah you generally want it you want to be able to push yourself i would just test it out like on a machine do something like machine chest press and genuinely go until you can't lift that weight just to see like how yeah. that actually feels because no failure isn't feeling uncomfortable it's not being able to lift the weight with good form. Yeah. And exactly as you said, Emma, there are quite a few exercises that you just wouldn't go down that path with, like barbell squats. Go to failure on that, you're not getting back out from under the bar if you 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 need to use the safeties. So much easier to use something like a, a machine like leg press and go to failure on that because you can't get crushed by it because they've all got safety stoppers on them. Well, they should have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. And um, oh, it says, what if I will always need a coach, a voice external to mine to push me to my limits and help me stay disciplined and accountable to healthy habits? We all have worked with people for long periods of time. It's sometimes sometimes it's as easy as they want the accountability there um, and they can do quite a lot of stuff themselves, but it's having that outside outside voice. Like I've been training now for 33 years. 33 years I've been training. I still have outside voices to helping me. That's not just the the the, the madmen. Um, that's mainly getting, I've got people that I can speak to and get advice from for, training and for nutrition and all these things so yeah i think it's a competitive advantage to have yeah. someone on your team external backing you offering you perspective pushing you towards your goals people who don't have a coach i think miss out massively because it's very hard to find someone like that in your life as in if it's like you've got a best mate who's really supportive cool but they're still two in your life to actually offer you like good advice based on your goals like your best mate's probably not going to give you 
the same tough love that your coach might, or you're not going to check in with them every week, or they're not as invested in your goals as you are or your coaches. I just think like, in some ways, I'm like, you're, you're kind of, if you've got a goal, you're kind of an idiot not to have someone who's been there, who has proven results, who knows where to show you to focus your efforts, who's going to support you to do it, who's going to help you when you go off track inevitably. And yeah, who has like time and time again proven that they can get that result for somebody else. Like, why would you do it on your own when you don't have to do it on your own? I, I think so. Oh, I think sometimes people um, feel like, oh, I've reached my goal now. I shouldn't need any help anymore. But actually, um, your goals are ever changing in the sense that you might have achieved that goal. And having somebody to check in with, I think if you could do it, do it for as long as, long as you can, like because they're always changing you can always have a goal and the goal might be health or it might be performance or it might be this but just having somebody that can it help might people. ultimately be thriving in all areas of life exactly right? not just like, like how think, like, do I achieve that and what areas of my life are lacking and now that I've achieved this you know because a lot of us come a lot of people come to us for fat loss now that I've achieved this that kind of opens up my capacity to where else can I level up my life and that becomes way more interesting, way more exciting. And having the external perspective there is really useful as well. It's the same like accountability, focus, check-ins, reviewing the process. Some of it you, you could do yourself, but people don't. You know, it's hard enough to get people to check in with us, let alone, you know, if you were going to check in with yourself, do you think you're actually going to do it? Probably mm-hmm. not. Probably not in the same way. I certainly don't. Like when I was checking in more frequently with Andy, I was way better at checking in and reviewing my week and seeing where things were going well, where they weren't going so well. Whereas now that I'm like, yeah, I know I should do that, but I often just kind of forget to do it or I'll do it when I, you know, when I've kind of not hit rock bottom, but you know, like when I really need to, and I should have actually done it weeks ago and it would have never got to that point. It does take, um, it's also coach yourself, doesn't it? Sorry. I think it's also quite good for like, you know, if I go to the gym, like right now, I don't have a coach, but I, I do like having a coach. But right now it's almost like the energy is also being used to create a session and to be like, I'll get there sometimes and not have written something out before. And I'll get there and I'm like, oh, why didn't I write something? And like just the energy of being like, okay, I'll go over there and do stuff there. And then the session doesn't always end up being as good. Like they're fine. Cause I obviously have an idea about what I'm doing, but they're not as good as what they could be. So I think that's a huge thing as well. And I like having a coach to learn from them as well. Like, I think you can all, whether that's like structure of sessions or like reasons behind other things or, you know, like just anything like style of that coach. Like there's so many things that you can learn, even if you know stuff. Um, So I think that's, it's a busman's holiday, isn't it? It's nothing worse than if you do this. It's, if you do this day in day out, and you're writing sessions for people, the last thing you want to do is do your own session. Like yeah. write your own, like Christ Almighty, I've got to write another one. And this one's for me, and you'll go in and you'll just do all the easy exercises. What's all the opposite? Busman's a busman's <laughs> holidays, basically a bus. You know, you got all the oldies going bus bus holidays, like on the buses. Yeah, it's him yeah. a bus, it's a holiday for a bus. That's what's the, the yeah. Thing. That's what this statement is. Yeah. <laughs> You're not here? No. No. It... You know, you know, you know, you know, a holiday on a bus yet? <laughs> you know, 
Um. <laughs> no, but I do love a bus. So you. the Lake Districts with the pensioners, it's the way forward. Yeah. Okay. We've only got a couple more. So we might have got through all of them. Um, not sure if this is the place to ask this, but can we talk about inner thighs? The rest of my body is toning up just fine, but I seem to be storing about 50% of my BMI on my inner thighs. What can I do to target this area? I like how she's written that. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, there's not really very much you can do. You can't spot reduce fat. It's annoying. Um, but that is just the way that it is. And that's probably just your body's predisposition to storing fat in that area doing a load of like don't know abductor machine or something isn't going to lose more fat from that area unfortunately so it is just continued fat loss yeah and um this was one from a check-in that I, I answered on my check-in, but I said I would put it on the podcast as well because it was the time of year. It's a tips for navigating drinks parties, please. Um, so, I mean, I, I I was chatting to her because a drinks party doesn't necessarily involve food, does it always, but it could just be drinks. But having a plan before you go, I think, and we've spoken about this before, but like setting some kind of conditions with yourself before you go and and it might be, I'm only going to have a couple of drinks or it could be that I'm going to eat a healthy meal before I go and I'm not going to snack at the drinks party or or making the drink that you choose the puck yes and that was the other thing I said treat it like cake you wouldn't eat crap cake you're not going to drink crap wine so if you're going to go make sure it's something you want to enjoy and save it and drink it slowly and don't feel like you've got to have loads of it but yeah, but the thing good. is, Ruth, some people do eat crap cake and some people do eat crap mince pies and some people do like... Yeah, but the condition crap. before you go is not to. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 don't so, mock crap mince pies. They're my favourite. <laughs> I don't like the look. Well, I like the luxury. Specifically crap. Could I have a crap mince pie? <laughs> oh, I don't want a nice one. No, I just want a crap one. I mean, yeah, like, you're right. The cheap ones you get. <laughs> I know the ones you mean. Yeah. Sometimes they're half empty. They're not, not even full. I just, I just love them. Yeah, but honestly, like, do you want a full mince pie? There's just a lot of, like, that's a lot of mince in that. I'm not. I'm. I, I hate well, saying. I'm not a no mince fan. In them anyway. <laughs> I'm not a mince. Mince pie. Good say there. Mince pies are shit. Oh, I love them. They're fucking so awful. much. They're the worst thing in the world. The I ate two little, before I came on here. Two little pastries with shit fruit in them. No. <laughs> like, not on my I like to eat the pastry off the top and then get the stuff out the middle and then finish the pastry. Why does that not surprise me that you just rolled like that? Yeah, you know, do you do that with cream eggs as well? Yeah, I don't yeah. like cream eggs. <gasps> what? Yeah. Too sweet. No. So sickly, so sickly. Yeah, this podcast has revealed a lot. No, not liking, don't like um, eggs. But you're right, some people will eat crap cake. But if you are, but if you're on, have a fat loss goal and you're going to a drinks party and you can set some conditions of yourself. And I said, like, make breakfast for the next day so that if you are drinking, it's not going to interfere with the next day as well. So have a plan. <laughs> 
Get yourself a little Sharon fruit for the next day. Oh, Sharon fruit and your passion fruit. Chop up some apple. Um, but no, but be prepped in advance is all I was thinking there and set those conditions. But yes, the drink is going to make you feel like all cake's good cake and all snacks are good snacks. So there is an element of I'm 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 not Yeah, like there's a little bit of tough love to be had here as well. Not even tough love of just owning your freaking actions, right? If you want to go and have a load of drinks, go and have a load of drinks. But also that means you won't be, you know, as in line with your goals or you might make poorer choices. All of this, like, and I think this like more generally is just, you have to own your actions and own the outcomes of them. So if you're like going in being like, I actively want to eat three mince pies because I love them. Cool, go and do it. But also know that there's going to be calories in that. And that's going to impact your fat loss goal if you have one. Much like if you're like, oh, do you know what? I really want to buy the most expensive Christmas tree. Great, buy it, enjoy it. But you'll have less money because of it, right? It's the same. It's like actions and responses. I would say that really honing in at this time of year on puck yes or no, and then not, because as much as like, oh, make these choices beforehand, where you tend to overeat is the shitty little nibbles that you didn't even really want. Like, oh, I had a few nuts and then I just started eating more and then I had some crisps and I had that half a mince pie that somebody else didn't eat that was a bit stale. And like, and then you're like, oh, like I didn't enjoy any of that. So that's why like before each choice that you make, and by the way, you will enjoy stuff more when you do this, not less. It's not about like restricting yourself. It's about being like, I'm going to have one mince pie and enjoy the hell out of it because I'm going to look forward to it. I'm going to savor it and I'm going to just pick the best one. Great instead of just like kind of just picking at stuff or just saying yes to everything pick a few things and be like puck yes I'm having that can't wait and let yourself look forward to that like if it if you love mulled wine look forward to having one amazing glass of mulled wine which you will enjoy more than having five crap ones or just saying yes to ones that aren't that good and there's even research to prove that as well right there's there's study that looks at people who eat chocolate every day versus people who abstain from it, but then just have it on the weekend and really enjoy it. They enjoy the chocolate more than the people that ate it every day, right? So if you just think of like, you're not saying no to having it, you're just saying yes to actually enjoying the thing more. But that does mean like practicing a bit of moderation. And then you realize as well that like, there's this law of diminishing returns where even if you're looking at within one mince pie right that first bite if you love a mince pie is probably so enjoyable right the second bite probably absolutely loving it unless you're claire and she's only eaten like the pastry off the top for some reason but anyway if you if you eat a mince pie like a normal person like the first two bites bring you 90 percent of the joy the third bite it is kind of not becoming worth it so much anymore so then you've got to think like you know when do i stop actually am i getting as much joy from the second mince pie is the first one. I bet you aren't. That's when you start, right? Yeah. And not being hungry again. Back to the girl that was saying about how she made poor choices when she was hungry. Not letting yourself get too hungry. And I do think it's proactive rather than reactive. Like you said, you do have to have these conversations with yourself and not just end up in that situation going, "I haven't thought about this, so I'm just going to get drunk." And then afterwards, going, "I wish I hadn't done that." That's mm. you just don't want to do that you want to be you want to think about it and just know that you're making a choice 
I think you can also, if you do want to drink, you can also make choices of, you know, like choose drinks that are just less calorific. Like if you do want to have some, but you do want to kind of still be on track, like, like, you know, like gin and slim or something, like you can have stuff like that rather than like a whole bottle of wine and still, you know, enjoy the night without, and so like, that or Prosecco or even just having a drink and then having a soft drink and then having a drink you know like spread it with spread water or soft drinks in between it so it kind of lasts a bit longer and like a few things like that I think can help if you do want to drink. I do think as well they don't feel bad about saying no to drinking I had a message from someone just that I know and um, they said oh it's really nice to know that you're not going to be drinking either because when I tell people I'm not drinking they assume that I'm giving up because I've got a drinking problem. And I'm like, how bad is that? That you have yeah. to be, you either, yeah, you're either an alcoholic or you, um, yeah, if you're giving up drinking or they want you to get drunk. And I'm like, or you're, pregnant. Is, or you're pregnant. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not either. I'm just choosing to make it an occasional thing because I don't like feeling rubbish. So yeah. I think um, Chris Williamson said this, but it was like alcohol is the only drug that will push on people and and that you'll think someone has a problem if they say no instead of yes, which is mad. And I think it's a good good lesson as well, like to anyone who's listening on either side of it, that because sometimes, you know, it's not meant to be malicious. It's like, oh, just go on and have a drink. They don't mean it in a bad way, but it's just become such a social norm that like you are pushing people to drink. And I think that's something like we should all probably call ourselves out on a little bit is like, you you shouldn't be pressuring people to drink if they don't want to drink or do anything. Yeah. James last year didn't drink for the whole year. He just does these things where he just tests himself to see. So like this year, he's not having sugar last year. He didn't have alcohol. He just does it as like a new year's resolution. And I found myself actually doing that sometimes at like social occasions I'd be like, oh, just have one. And I'm like, why does I do that? Why does he need one? He doesn't need one. Like, to make you feel better. I felt really bad. <laughs> what did you say, Ruth? Is it to make you feel better? Yeah. Like, honestly, I think, that's, I think that's what it is with. Yeah. Especially because I've been teetotal for 23 years now. I think it's massively got to do with your own issue, the person's own issues that says it. Because I think it is one of those ones where they're like, they're trying to justify the fact that they're drinking alcohol when you're not. Yeah. Like, I can go out and socialise without alcohol and I don't mind if anybody else drinks. It's got no size of man, no skin, no skin of manos. But don't try and push it because I think it is. It's one of those ones where you're like, oh no, I've got a drink. Well, you should be drinking because I've got a drink. That's well, yeah, it's the same with everything. Definitely. Why don't you have a mince pie? "Mm, Don't want one. They're like, oh, if if I'm having a pudding, you should be having one as well. Yeah. Like I can't drink right much anyway because of breastfeeding like I can't have more than one I mean I maybe could but I don't but like even if I have one glass of wine like at the weekend I still feel like James you're gonna have one (laughs) but I've kind of got used to that now like if I just want to have a glass of wine by myself I actually don't even care anymore but I it took me a while to be like it's okay and they don't have to do it like (laughs) yeah it's definitely on that person okay excellent guys thank you so much for your time and for your brains and for the excellent questions we will be back next week to answer more questions and i will fill in everyone on commit 42 which is very exciting shortly okay love you all bye